You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is uh, Father James Scholl, and um, I'd like to present a short talk this morning called The Beauty of God. It was something done some time ago in uh, an old journal called Excelsior. St. Basil the Great, who died and lived from 329 to 79 A.D., wrote an instruction called The Detailed Rules for Monks. A passage from it comes up in the Roman Breviary for Tuesday of the first week of ordinary time. What we might ask are these detailed rules that St. Basil has uh, propounded uh, for the, for his monks. Surely such advice is not for us. But Basil has some uh, very uh, good advice for us, monks or not. Basil begins by telling us that love of God is not something that can be taught, in the quote. Why not, we wonder. Basil's answer to this question is rather insightful. <clears throat> we did not have to learn from someone else how to uh, rejoice uh, in light or how to see. Or we did not have to learn uh, that we want to live from someone else. These are things that simply come to us without being taught. We know them. And so too, the love of our parents. We do not have to have a course in that. Nobody had to teach this love to us as if there was something more obvious than this. The love of God, Basil thinks, is akin to these later experiences of uh, uh, knowing. In a passage mindful of Augustine, Basil tells us, quote, As soon as the living creature that is man comes to be, a power of reason is implanted in us like a seed uh, containing within it the ability and the need to love. This is what we are, beings whose very existence and orientation are are towards something uh, they are not themselves. We do not give ourselves our own life or being. We receive both. We are what we receive. Our hearts are from the beginning restless, as Augustine says, because we spend our lives seeking that object which is proper to what we are given to be. Our very being will not let us settle on anything less than that for which we exist in the first place. Basil does not deny that once we realize that our being, what our realize that what our being is about, we seek the object of this love. Quote, when we, when the school of God, of God's laws, admits this power of reason. It cultivates it diligently. 
skillfully, nurtures it, and with God's help, brings it to perfection. That is an unusual expression. The school of God's law admits the power of reason. I take this to mean that what we are given in our being, in our reason, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, is intended for us to understand uh, what we have been given to, we intended to understand what has been given to us. This is the key uh, to the drama that is implicit in the lives of each of us. And notice that we do not achieve that end for which we exist by our own powers, though they are involved. We can and often do use our power of reason badly. Of course we do. Listen to Basil, quote, This is the definition of sin, the misuse of powers given to us by God for doing good, a use contrary to God's commandments, quote. A pretty blunt definition. I have seen few more succinct definitions of sin. We exist, we have powers by which we are and act. And these are given to us for doing good, but we can deflect them from this good. We can do this deflection in our own soul. This deviant capacity is in our very power. The commandments are given to us so that we will know what is not good for us. We are doubly warned by our own uh, reason and by the commandments. Basil tells us that we do not really need to look outside of ourselves to figure out this possibility of sin. We know that things are pleasing to us even though we did not give ourselves the power to be pleased or the object that is out there that might, in fact, please us. Again, there are things we do not have to be taught. We simply know them. Then Basil comes to the point he is trying to make all, at all along. What I ask is more wonderful than the beauty of God, he says. What an astonishing question. What Basil implies, of course, is that if we behold this divine beauty, we will live it and praise it. That is why we are made to be as we are in the first place. We, on seeing what is this beauty, do not put ourselves into some kind of uh, questioning mode uh, to decide whether we love this object uh, that is God or not. To be sure, by our sin, we may never get to a point where this beauty is open to us. But in itself, it is what we want and what astonishes us. The radiance of the divine beauty is altogether beyond 
the power of words to describe, Basil said. But it is that very divine beauty that has made, uh, that was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Our human word is not sufficient, and yet that should not prevent us from seeking to praise God with our own words and our own songs, however imperfect they may be. The divine word, on the other hand, that which uh, expresses the glory and radiance of the Father, is capable of describing this beauty. We live in an era of, of revelation. We live in the time after Christ. That is, we do not have at our disposal, we do not have at our disposal our own words alone, however powerful they can be. God did not leave it up to us to decide how he was to be worshipped and how his beauty is to be received. We exist to behold the divine beauty, and we exist to respond to it. This is what the Mass is about. Anything else is secondary. What indeed is more wonderful than the beauty of God? The end of the lecture. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.